Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. God, thank you so much for our time together. Thank you so much for what we have already experienced, Lord, through worshiping you, through prayer, through giving, and through music, Lord. You have changed our lives, Lord, and it is not fair for us to keep it to ourselves, Lord. May we hear the reading of your word. Get excited about it, Lord. And Lord, follow you wherever you lead, Lord. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Uh, In preparation for our time together this morning, God has laid upon me the the theme of seasons. Are y'all in that seasonal moment yet? Well, this may be for several reasons. Sometimes it may be for things I'm going through. And at other times, it may be for no other reason than God impresses on me a theme or a heart or a scripture, uh, something to, to say. Either way, there is no doubt that seasons are changing. I know my wife and many others are excited about setting out the fall decorations. Soon there will be a slight chill in the air, pumpkin spice flavored everything, football games, Rides to the mountains to see the changing of the color of leaves. That's a good time of year, isn't it? As a matter of fact, we've already gone out, picked out our pumpkin, and picked out our, our mum. That was first thing on the list yesterday. Some of you are already doing uh, decorations and getting ready for the fall season. And so we are happy about that. But the thing is, I do love going through the mountains and looking at the leaves that are changing And am I the only one that finds it ironic that death is beautiful to us? When we go through and we're looking at those leaves, we are seeing leaves that are dying. We are seeing leaves that are in the process of dying. But even even in their death, the different colors, it is so beautiful. And they provide a great analogy for the scripture we're going to look at this morning. The leaves of the trees assist mankind in providing for us Oxygen. They take our carbon dioxide and they, they filter it and they, they big give back oxygen so that we can breathe. Uh, that is about the basics of my middle school physics and science class. But either way, the leaves provide food also for animals that depend on them for vegetation. But as the leaves die and fall to the ground, they clog our gutters and they force us to rake them up in our yard And every once in a while, you'll see one jump into them. But one thing you will definitely see in Homeland Park is people burning them. It it is that time of season. I don't know if it's ever gone away. But, uh, yes, uh, there's something about when you come to church, you can start smelling it on Shockley Ferry Road. And uh, you know that you're coming to the park. Some of y'all lived here so long, you don't even smell it anymore. It's just just part of, of life. But... The thing is, is that yes, the leaves fall and they have to die. Leaves have to die so that the new ones can grow come spring. Fall also reminds us that we are on the fast track to Thanksgiving. How many people of you know how many days until Christmas? I know. All she has to do is look at her phone. She'll tell you. Any day, any day of the week, it don't matter. She can tell you how long. Doesn't it seem like just yesterday we were celebrating both Thanksgiving and Christmas? It's crazy. 
I know when I was younger, when I was the age of some of these teenagers in here, I thought, oh, here we go. Old people talking about how time flies. You'll find out. You'll learn one day. And before you know it, you'll be sitting around with all your friends instead of talking about boys and, and what, what's cool and all of this stuff. You'll be talking about your ailments and what hurts you and who's dead and who's in the hospital. It, it's just, it's a matter of time. That is a season of life. So whatever season we're in, what we're learning today is that we need to enjoy it. We need to fear God and to be happy. And the older I get, the more I want to hold on to the time that I have. And at other times, we can't wait to let it go and see what's next. It would be very easy to just live each day within our own little world, thinking about our own little problems, rather than thinking about God and what He has for our lives and our families, even what we must do in response to our faith. So this world needs us to share Jesus with them, not only in words, but in our actions. So God has revealed to me that there is a great blessing in living in the now and not always looking for what's next. Don't get me wrong. I still have hopes. I still have dreams. I still have plans. I still have expectations for my life. The difference is like spring, summer, fall to winter. They will be here before we know it. And the best thing that you and I can do today, according to the writer of Ecclesiastes, is to fear God and be happy. So let's jump into our scripture right now. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting with verse 1. There's a, a, this is a very popular passage. I was talking to our praise band. I said, we ought to sing the song this morning by the Yardbirds called uh, To Everything, Turn, Turn. I don't know what the name of it is. But basically, the lyrics are right from this scripture. Those of you that know what song that is, you can educate me later after church. Cool song. But the words come right out of scripture. Ecclesiastes, written by many people think King Solomon, says verse 1, For everything there is a season, a time for everything, every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve. And yes, Baptists, even a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to turn away, a time to search, and a time to quit searching, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be quiet, and also a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. As you look at this passage, this is very poetic in the way that it is written. And there are some purposes in the way that it is written. The first thing we see in verse 1, by for everything there is a season, we need to gain perspective. Then whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter, no matter what the season of life we are in, you may be having a great time right now, or you may be in one of the coldest, hardest, most difficult seasons of your life. 
whatever your life is, all of these seasons, everything is under heaven, meaning it is right in the palm of God's hands. Don't believe the talking heads that are on your, your social media feeds or on your televisions or in your print media. They want you to think that God is not powerful and that He is not in control. My friends, He is in control. Even in the ways you don't like the way He is in control. Because everything, every political leader, every war, every cause, every person is under heaven. It gives us perspective. In verse 2, we see a time to be born and a time to die. What is that? Well, that's the life cycle. No one stays young forever. We see in verse 3, when it says a time to kill, this is not a mandate for you to go kill somebody. This is talking about war. This is talking about when we are fighting for our nations. Times of trials and prosperity. In verse 4, we are going to experience pain and we are going to experience joy. If I were to ask you, have any of y'all ever experienced pain, either emotionally or physically, I know all of us would raise our hand. But also with that, there's a fine balance because God also gives us joy as well. Verse 5, when it talks about time to scatter stones and time to gather, that means put yourself out there. Don't retreat within yourself. Put yourself out there. Be, or sometimes just be reserved. Verse 6, we all need a little self-evaluation sometimes, but at other times we need to get ourselves over ourselves and look on other people. I've, I've been there before, and I don't know if y'all have, but I've been there in my life where I think about all my problems and everything that God's not doing that I wish He would do, and I think, and I have a pity party. Even Christians can have pity parties. But nobody shows up. Nobody brings gifts. Nobody brings food. It's just you and yourself. And Christians sometimes are the worst pouters because we blame God for our pouting so to make it feel like we're okay. But that's not the case. Sometimes we do need to evaluate ourselves and ask ourselves what's wrong. But then there are other times where we need to get over ourselves and start worrying about other people. The fastest way to get over your problems is to give them to God and start serving other people. It is tried and true. You don't believe me? You try it. You make somebody else's needs more important than yours, and then you will forget why you were needy in the first place. Verse 7 talks about letting go of harmful people and relationships and habits. That is something that we have to do. My friend, if there is somebody toxic in your life, is it worth Affecting your soul. Affecting your spirit. Now, if it's a relationship like marriage or if it's a, like a sibling or a family thing, you need to get help for that. And you may not be able to pray all that away. You may need to get somebody to talk with you about it. But don't let toxic people tear you down. And worry more about restoring relationships rather than breaking them. He talks about forgiveness and witnessing and also loving God, but hating the sin. I do not hate anybody that's in sin. And there are some sins out there. Boy, there are some biggies. But you know what? It's no different than the little sins that I have. 
It's no different than little sins you have. A sin is a sin. And we need to stop hating the sinners and start hating what they do. We can take a stand on what they do, but we need to do that in love. Look, if all you want to do is tell people they're wrong, but you don't want to tell them about Jesus, then you got the cart before the horse, my friend. There's two purposes of the way there's this repeating of a time for this and a time for that. There's two reasons or two aspects of that that we can take from this passage. Number one, life is a grind. Life is a grind. There is a time for this and a time for that. It just keeps going on and on. You ever felt that grind? Like, hey, it's Sunday, I'm going to do my Sunday thing. Hey, it's Monday, I'm going to do my Monday thing. Hey, it's Wednesday, I can't wait for Friday to get here. Hey, it's Sunday, i got to do my Sunday thing. Hey, it's Monday. And then all of a sudden, you start counting from day to day. Well, here's week one, here's week two, here's week three. It's easy to get in a grind or in a rut. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, the older you get, the more of a rut you get into. You don't want to get out of it. If we were to look at our lives and see the grind of a time to wake up, a time to drink your coffee, a time to go to work, a time to drive in traffic, a time to spend with family, a time to endure hardships, and a time to enjoy yourself, it just keeps going on and on. So you see, as we read that passage, it is just telling you grind after grind after grind. And then also it tells you not only is life a grind, life is aggressive. I may have told you all before, I know I'm sure I've said it at one, once or twice, but I think it was last time Donna and I went to the beach or the time before last, you would have seen on the news, big boy drowns in one foot of water. I'm telling you what, it, I don't want to make a long story longer, but basically we were at the, where the waves come in right at the foot of the beach, and I, you know, there's this, there's this point to where the waves are not crashing. If you can get past that, it's not that bad. But when you're holding the hand of someone that doesn't want to go out that far, it becomes difficult. And so here we are, and then all of a sudden, these were like waves from, I don't know, they were strong. And so here we are, the way the water's maybe up to our waist. It knocked knocked me down. And as when I got down, I started to get up, and another one came. And another one came. It started dragging me along the coast, along the shore. I had, I got up and I had a raspberry, you know, on my leg where all the shells were scraping. I thought, I'm dying here. You know, big boy dies in one foot of water. You know, the ocean rescue guys just looking like this. I ain't going to go after him. Let me get two more guys to help me. One guy saying, I'll harpoon him. No, they didn't say that. But the truth of the matter is, is that when I was in that situation, and wave after wave after wave, I couldn't stand up. I couldn't get my footing. And I did not want to drag my precious wife down in the, co- in the waves with me. She was already down there anyway. Hey, we were just... Life was wave after... But isn't that life? As you read these passages and you think about that, maybe you have been in some type of similar situation to where it just seems that life won't stop. And you can't stand up. If you haven't been there, my friend, I promise you, you will. Because this is a passage about life. 
Life is a grind and life is aggressive. But there are some life lessons that we can take from this passage. Number one, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you cannot control all that comes your way. You can only respond to it. When I was in my early 20s, and one of my dear brothers in Christ, that, that he is like a brother to me from college, we're, we're great friends, he got cancer. He just started coughing one day, and before you knew it, he had cancer in his chest. I saw him lose his hair. I saw him fight for his life. And I saw God do an amazing work in his life. And I just said, hey man, how in the world did you do that? You talk to people here that have gone through sickness like cancer. You talk to people here that have lost the spouse and the love of their life. You talk to someone that has lost their family members. You talk to someone that has been disappointed and stabbed in the back. And they will tell you, all you can do is play the hand that God deals you. Life is not fair. I'm sorry. But when things come your way, you can either laugh, cry, or get mad, but it doesn't change the fact that you've got to respond to it. And when everything happens, understand, like it said in the passage here, it's under heaven. Whatever happens is under God's control. So here's the the tough theological statement here for this morning, my friends. Nothing touches you that God does not allow. Yeah. Nothing touches you that God does not allow. We must learn that for every good thing that happens in life, there are bad things too. We must be expecting to get through life without trials or a need for God's intervention is misguided and delusional. Folks, you need God whether you are ready to admit it or not this morning. The second thing is, is you must take advantage of every moment God gives you. Ephesians 5.16 says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Colossians 4, 5 says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Mark 8, 36 says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? I see plenty of people that have to clean out the garages and the houses of somebody that passed away and none of that stuff went to heaven with them or wherever else they went. Trying to meet your needs and wants and desires becomes a bad thing when you place them over your devotion to God. Your outlook suffers and your family suffers and your faith suffers. Folks, here's an aha moment for you. Don't let the good things in your life keep you from the great things. Don't let the good things in your life keep you from the great things. What does that mean? What that means is, is you may be living a good life now. But do you think God may have something better for you? Is God prompting you to get out of your comfort zone? Is God prompting you to be more vocal in your faith? Is God prompting you to live a life that's, that would, would exemplify what it means to be a believer? And I don't mean a perfect life. I mean a real, transparent, I am a Christian. I don't have it all together, but I'm doing the best that I can. And let me encourage you. You may be living the good life right now. But do you want to settle for good or would you rather have great? We see in verses 9 through 15 that God's purpose is that people should fear him. Now here, this is where it's going to get interesting because when you hear fear God, you're going to think that I'm going to get all red in the face and yell at you. I might, but that's not my purpose. What does this mean to fear God? 
God's purpose is that people should fear him. There's two types of fearing God, my friends. Number one, for the unbeliever. The unbeliever, the fear of God is the fear of judgment of God and eternal death, which is eternal separation from God. Yes, my friends, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And no man or woman comes to the father except through me. That's not being closed minded. That's not saying that there are not nice people in this world, but it is saying if you want heaven and eternal life, it comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And for unbelievers, if they reject that, their punishment is sure. And then the next type of fearing God is for the believer. For the believer, the fear of God is something much different. The believer's fear is more like reverence for God. And with those two definitions, let's look at the passage as we see what this means. Verse 9 says, what do people really get for all their hard work? Let me ask you all, what do you really get for all your hard work? Well, get a a payment book. <laughs> I get insurance I got to pay for and hardly ever use. I got all these medical problems. I got all these time management, all these things. What do people what do people really get for all their hard work? Verse 10. I have seen the burden God has placed on all of us, yet God made everything beautiful for its own time. That person beside you is beautiful. It just may not be their time yet. That was a bad joke. Everybody's beautiful. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. What we see here is the writer of Ecclesiastes had posed this question before, but here he sets it up to be answered in verse 12. Verse 10, he says, life is hard for believers and non-believers. My friends, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if we go outside, just like it says in Matthew, and we go outside and it's raining, it doesn't matter whether you believe in Christ or reject Christ, we're both going to get wet. And when, when life rains down on you and the storms of life come down on you, there will be believers that know the benefit of having God as their umbrella, and there will be other people that do not know that but will cope. As best as they can. Verse 11. This is huge. Well, actually, before I do that, verse the first half of verse 11, it says God has ordained a sense of balance in creation. Where he says everything has a birth, a peak, and a death. It's called the cycle of life. Folks, this is what makes our church such a beautiful thing. As I look out on this congregation, or if I think about people that are here watching us this morning, we've got different ages. We are all along the spectrum here this morning. When we're different ages, we can encourage one another. We can lift one another up. And we can get help where it's needed. The young encourage the old. The old encourage the young. People using their gifts to serve God and others. Young people, I'm going to tell you, when our older folks see you all serving, whether it be in some, some type or some form or fashion in this church, they get excited about it. Older folks, let me tell you something. We need you and we love you. And your encouragement and your model is what we follow. 
That's the beautiful thing about the cycle of life. That all of us are in different places. This doesn't make sense. That all of us, where we are in our lives, come together on one time a week, sometimes more, and we talk about God. And we're here for one another. That's the beauty of the church. The second thing is, what people don't understand, is in the second half of verse 11, it says, He has planted eternity in the human heart. What does that mean? If I were to tell you that God created you with a hole so big in your heart that could only be filled by Him, that would be a way of re-explaining that. There are many people that try to put other things in their hearts. Maybe it's knowledge. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's habits. Maybe it's addictions. Maybe it's whatever it may be. And they try to fill that void, but still, at some point, whether it be the morning after, or at some time in their life when it's just them and God, and they know that there's, there's gotta be more to this. That's that hole in your heart that was made for God. God has planted eternity in the heart of man. That is why when you go to a concert and you see a stadium full of people, Shout, shouting out that the songs that singer sings, or you see who knows how many people at a ball game with their favorite jersey on shouting for their favorite player. Folks, that's worship. We, we elevate, we want to elevate people and elevate things because we are wired for worship because God has planted eternity in your heart. Verse 12 says, so I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are the gifts from God. Folks, it's not wrong to enjoy all that God has provided for you and the opportunities that he gives you. Count your blessings. What? Name them one by one, right? It's kind of hard to be in a... a a sour mood if you start blessing God and thanking God for the blessings He's given you. For your families, your friends, your church, the shelter over your head. Paul calls this kind of thankfulness something. It's a word that starts with a C, and it's called contentment. Being content with what you have. Then verse 14 says, And I know whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added or taken away from it. God's purpose is that people should fear Him. What is happening now has happened before. And what will happen in the future has happened before because God makes the same things happen over and over again. My friend, here's a question to you. Have you lost of fear of God? What is the fear of God? The fear of God is not like a Halloween kind of boost. Uh, spooky, scary kind of thing. Oh, there's God around the corner. Boo, aha, that's funny. It's not like that. What is the fear of God? The fear of God can be best illustrated as you are driving down the road and you see a police officer in his car on the side of a road with his camera pointed at you. What is your immediate reaction? Step on, step on the brake. Those in law enforcement, I'm sure they, they see it's funny when all of a sudden the car is looking like this. Right in front of them because they're slamming on the brakes. They can tell. They know. Why do you stop? Why do you slow down? When Oh, my goodness. And I've been in this situation before where you're going down the road and all of a sudden the police car behind you turns around and gets behind you. They may be just going to get lunch or a coffee. I don't know. But boy, because I fear getting a ticket. I fear getting pulled over. 
And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if somebody pulls me over, I'm not going to tell them I'm a pastor late for church. But seriously, though, growing up, when mom said, wait till your dad gets home, I feared that. When mom pulled out that paddle that had the ball on it and the ball was disappeared and the paddle just itself reappeared. Oh, yeah, I feared that paddle. It doesn't mean I didn't love my parents. I feared that action, but I love them. And folks, if you fear God, you will love him, but you will honor him and respect him by when he lays out in his word how we are to live and how we are to treat others. We do that because we don't want to let him down. We fear him and we love him. And we know that if we do what is right, we'll get his blessings. But if we reject him, we know that we will not be pleasing God by doing that. My question is, have you lost the fear of God? Is God not not quite as big to you as he used to be? My dear believer, let me just tell you this. If you don't fear God, you don't love Him. And if you don't love Him, you won't obey Him. And this is what Jesus said about that. Let me show it to you on the screen. It's Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. That means you can have a bumper sticker. You can have a t-shirt. You can have a Facebook post. You can have all of these things that claim how big of a Christian you are. But if you are not actually doing the will of God, then you are not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And that's what scares me to death, is there will be people that are sitting in pews just like these, and when Jesus returns, they are not going to go to heaven because they've been religious and they've been so consumed with themselves, they've never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior Lord, and they will bust hell wide open because they thought they had a relationship with Him, but really, they never did anything He asked them to do. Finally, we see, do not let external circumstances steal your joy. And that's something. You can have a million attaboys, but if one person says, I didn't like that, that's what you're going to think about. It's kind of like one of my favorite Christmas movies. Christmas Vacation. Clark has got, finally, all the lights are working. His mom, his Children, his wife, oh, it's beautiful. Then they get to Uncle Art. And he just says, the little lights are not twinkling. I'm like, really? Out of all of that work, out of all that we've done, that's the one thing you notice. And the thing is, is that we don't need to let the fact that the little lights are not twinkling ruin our mood. It says in verses 16 to 22, I also notice that under the sun there was evil in the courtroom. Yes, even the courts of law are corrupt. <laughs> Enough said there. I said to myself, in due season, God will judge everyone, both good and bad, for all their deeds. Folks, there is no surprise that our world has moved away from biblical principles. Solomon saw that in his day. That when God's word is put to the side, injustice and wickedness will prevail. This may go on today, but all we have to do is answer to the part that we play in it. He says in verse 18, I also thought about the human condition, how God proves to people that they are like animals. For people and animals share the same fate. 
both breathe, both must die. So people have no real advantage over the animals. How meaningless. Both go to the same place. They came from dust and they return to dust. For who can prove that the human spirit goes up and the spirit of animal goes down into the earth? What we see here, my friends, is death is the ultimate equalizer. Death is the ultimate equalizer. Mankind and the animal kingdom alike will experience death unless Jesus comes back. And so the things that divide us today will play no factor in prolonging our life beyond what God determines for each one of us. That's the beauty about this, folks. Every one of us has an expiration date, but we don't know what it is. And I'm grateful for it. Then he says in verse 22, fear God and be happy. He says, so I saw there's nothing better for people to be than happy in their work. This is our lot in life. And no one can bring us back to see what happens after we die. So what is he saying here? He's saying you only have one life to live and an eternity to answer for your choices. My friends, one of the biggest blessings I pray that you find today is that God loves you and he has blessed you with whatever he's blessed you with. And I hope you just enjoy that today. Maybe it's sun beating down on your face. Maybe it's the next breath in your lung. Maybe it's what you're going to eat in a few minutes. Maybe it's that nap you're going to get this afternoon. Or the time of tinkering you're going to do in the afternoon with one of your favorite projects. Or getting ready for tomorrow. Or whatever you're going to do. Let that be a blessing. And enjoy that because it is from God. In today's passage, the preacher reminds us that God is God and we are not. This one life is the only life that we're going to get. And my friends, the seasons are changing. The leaves have to die so the new ones can bloom. You and I must die to our sin and selfishness to become the person that God has created us to be. Paul calls that being a new creation or a new creature. The James Strickland before I met Christ... If you go back spiritually, that, that guy is dead and gone. God raised up a new person. And many of you in here know what it's like to get that new start. You must die to your sin and selfishness to become who God wants you to be. So my, my uh, encouragement to you today is that if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, don't hold back and enjoy what he's doing in your life. And if you're resisting that, This would be a good day to quit fighting. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for our time together this morning and how fitting as our seasons are changing, Lord, everything stays the same because you're in control. And Lord, if nothing else, we can say that we've been in your house today and we've been worshiping you and it has been a blessing. But God, if there's someone out here that that either by listening to this video or in our actual presence this morning that wants to know for sure that their life is in your hands, that they can get that do-over, that they can get that sense of purpose in their life and not have to fear your judgment, but, Lord, that they can serve you out of love and honoring you. If they want that do-over, if they want that forgiveness for their sins and to be that new person, May they pray to accept you today. They can come forward during our invitation 
Everybody would be so pleased to see that. There's nothing to be afraid of. Maybe someone wants to just come to this altar and pray. Or if there's something somebody has a need for that's watching online, may they contact us, Lord. And we will let them know how to find the true purpose that you have for us as your creation. Lord, these changes of seasons are here. The best thing we can do is fear you and be happy. If you fear God, come to him today. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?